It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornsheen. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornsheen. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are talking about something very serious today. I hope I've got your attention already. We're looking at the subject of communication and even conflict resolution today. How did we get there? Well, a few weeks back, we began studying about the armor of God. And as we are looking at each of these pieces that God has given to us, as outlined in Ephesians chapter 6, last week we began with the subject matter of life purpose. Why? Well, there are areas of our life that we have left really unguarded. There are chinks in our armor, areas where we really haven't addressed with a healthy reading of God's Word to understand how to navigate these very serious subject matters. So 80% of the struggles that even believers go through really revolve around these seven key areas. Let me outline for those for you here right now. Life purpose, number one, communication, relationships, marriage, parenting, finances, and sexuality. These key areas affect almost all believers, and as we suspect, many of these areas are left unaddressed. Even in our church, as we go through the Bible verse by verse, it's important to come back to these topical matters, use the Bible to navigate each of these areas. So last week, we spent the entire time with you talking about life purpose. And so today, we're going to look at number two, which is communication. And you've probably heard a time or two that discussion about love and respect, and we'll see how that applies in our lives as well. So to help me in this very serious discussion and to help us navigate this topic with precision, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with us. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure to be here. It's been a great day so far together, and uh, I know talking about the show and preparing for the show, and we're, we're both movie buffs, and what keeps ringing through my head is what we have here is failure to communicate. And, uh, you know, that can be such a big problem in our church relationships and our marriage and our families. I think it's so timely in this day and age that we address this. That's right. And, and, and quite honestly, we know that we could probably spend three, four, five weeks on this subject matter. So we'll try to do the best we can in 25 minutes or less to try to help you, the listener, get through some of the, perhaps the, the conflicts in your life. And maybe you found that your communication is broken. Maybe with a spouse right now, there's some friction, and he would love to see that uh, just diffused in some way. And maybe there's volatility in how you communicate with one another, maybe even bitterness. Maybe there's such friction in how you talk to one another. You're wondering, how did we get here? Yeah. And really, this is a self-examination. Uh, that's where we have to begin in this. And then how it affects our relationships that are the closest to us in our spheres of influence, coworkers, even through the whole body of Christ. Uh, we assume right now that... Those who are listening are believers in Jesus Christ, but even unbelievers can learn what the Bible has to teach us on communication. Yeah, I remember listening to Charles Stanley say that Satan likes to deceive, divide, and destroy. Mm -hmm. So then what better way through lack of communication, miscommunication? That's right. It's so important that we have these skills to, uh, to try to avoid that and realize that that's the way our enemy is going to try to get in. That's definitely one way. 
That's right. I mean, even the Lord can manage through just teaching and guiding us uh, and as strong-willed as we can be sometimes. You feel like that's just a lifetime journey of that sanctification as he teaches us how to talk to one another with love and respect. But even he can make it so that we're at peace with our enemies. Right. Those who are against us, can we can find even common ground and ways to navigate through a very difficult discussions. And there are certain topics we just don't talk about today, right? We Especially around Thanksgiving. Don't bring up politics. Don't right. bring up religion. Right. Don't talk about these sort of things. Well, what we find is that if we can learn to communicate effectively and with the precision of God's holy word, gently, respectfully, uh, tenderness in our voice, no arrogance, no pride, where we put ourselves aside and we just be conduits of the Lord Jesus' work in and through us by way of his powerful Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us the words to speak. We have to start there, really. I mean, we've got to ask him to guide us and use wisdom and discernment to navigate each and every audience. It's like a missionary going into a strange and foreign land. You've got to learn the language, the culture, be gentle and sensitive to it, and willing to learn, willing right. to listen right. first before you speak. Right. Like Paul said, I've become all things to all people, that, you know, and in some way I may win some. You know, right. obviously he's not diluting down his message, but just like you said, he's looking for openings, for opportunities to be able to, to communicate. What do we have here in common? How can we build some commonality? How can we build a bridge? That's right. I mean, with the mission before us to point everyone to Jesus Christ, is always we should represent him well. We're ambassadors for Christ. That's right. I think of ambassadors going before us of these United States as they're representing us hopefully well, and we'd expect precision in how they speak, how they deliver the message that we would want them to deliver and how they carry themselves and conduct themselves in the everydayness of life. Same goes for us as believers. We're to represent Christ well, and and the tongue is often an area of great devastation. Uh, James talks about that, how our tongues can are likened unto a, a fire that can be out of control and burn down a forest, right? I mean, it is this thing that has to be tamed. It has to be disciplined. There's a lot of scripture to this subject of communication, so let's get into it. We've got quite a few verses to share with you, and that's really the very place we need to start. We can give you our opinions all day long, but really, as you've come to to know and expect from Engage in Truth, that we go to God's holy word, and, and the art of Christian communication covers many aspects of the relationship between born-again believers and our relationships with the world at large. And so, Dr. Ford, let's maybe we can tag team some of these. Sure. I've highlighted starting in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to read that one. And if, Dr. Ford, you can pick up 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll go through these. We're going to cover a few that are covered in James. I've already highlighted one for you just in summary. But let me start here. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. We read, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. I think that's a, a great lesson right there. I mean, quite frankly, we could spend hours in that matter alone of just how we can be more sensitive with how we speak, but then also understanding that there's the verbiage that we use, may it be seasoned with salt. And we know that salt adds to a meal. I certainly love my salt. You can ask my wife to her chagrin. Quite frankly, I'd probably add too much salt, but it can be a preservative as well. And we forget about that. For generations and cultures, they would use salt even to this day to preserve food. And and now we see that, okay, our words are a preservative of truth. It is something that we need to lace with grace 
but with truth. And yes, it can add even to an entree that's spoiled a bit. Let me just here read up uh, number two here, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 to 26, and then maybe Dr. Ford, you pick up James 1, 9. Uh, but 2 Timothy 2, 2, 23 to 26 says, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. I mean, you see there right away that a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, being patient, and yes, even demonstrating humility. It's amazing that if we actually wear these particular attributes, how we speak to one another in truth, a truth that is seasoned with salt and with grace, it's amazing how the words of truth will land on the heart, perhaps a hardened heart that desperately needs to hear these words. Oh, the acrimonious spirit of this age, I think this scripture may mm. be more pertinent than ever. Absolutely. You know, if, if you disagree with me, I will vilify you. You know, <laughs> that right. sort of thing like we've talked about. It's yeah. so important that we don't get involved with that as, you know, as children of our God and brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. That's right. Amen. Well, Dr. Ford, I don't know if you have it there in front of you there, but James chapter 1, verse 9. I do. I love this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Mm. Yeah, I love it because I have to remind myself of that. <laughs> That's a very familiar verse to me. <laughs> it's like all the conviction is kicking in right about yeah, now. Exactly. We've only gotten Slow three speed. verses Slow in. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I'll leave you to add here uh, Ephesians 4.29. I actually had my children memorize this one. Uh, and really, as they were memorizing it, I was memorizing it, right? Because they, they would they would recite it to me over and over again. And I'd gone through a number of scriptures that I thought these would be tools for my children to carry them all through their journey of life. I mean, this is something we can adhere to. Again, the world at large, even applying this, there would be radical change in our culture. Listen to these words, Ephesians 4.29, do not let un any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not let any unwholesome talk. Now, I have to add in there, gossip is part of this as well, right? So it's not just foul language. And there are a number of verses that talk about, you know, just cleaning up how we speak to one another. There's no need for colorful metaphors, right? I mean, we, we can just, we, we need to expand our vocabulary so that we can articulate better how we're feeling about things. It even bothers me about Christian bad words, Right. I mean, we, we just say, OK, we're going to, uh, you know, uh, bring it down a notch, maybe not use some of the language that we hear in movies and all around us in the culture at large. But nonetheless, there's still an attitude, right? Yeah. There's still a heart matter that has to be addressed. Right. Yeah. We we try to express an anger with a different kind of word, but really the heart matter is still the issue. Right. right? We, we need to align it with the heart of God. Why are we so angry in this moment? Why are we trying to express frustration at all? Are we not grateful for what Christ has already done and, and the working of the Holy Spirit in us? We can do better, better in all areas of this, especially when it comes to gossip. And we know the danger of gossip. The Bible talks a lot about that as well. So anything that's not edifying or building up of those around us, 
if that comes out of our lips in any way, we're not bearing the image of our Creator, of God the Father, Jesus Christ our Lord, and certainly not a working of the Holy Spirit in us as temples of the Holy Spirit. So, Dr. Ford, what is a Proverbs 15.1? This is, this is a great one, and this is one in, in my own personal experience that I have seen work again and again. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems basic enough, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard to apply? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I find that if I don't have discipline in the car, we were talking about that earlier this morning, right. that if we if we just don't apply these basics in the privacy of our automobile or even in our home, quite frankly, wherever we're at, where, where there seems to be nobody listening or bearing mind right. of what we're saying, but something about the automobile, really the engagement with others on the road can bring out of us something that is unfruitful, not edifying, and certainly not glorifying to God in any way. And so if we can't apply the basics, even in our private moments where we think nobody's listening or seeing us, it's a no wonder that what comes out of us when we're around people just doesn't seem to align with what we say we believe. Yeah, because isn't that the definition of character, doing the right thing even when nobody's watching? That's right. That's right. So trying to uh, develop godly character. Well, and the one here that uh, staying in the theme of Proverbs that I I have to work on. Okay, every husband listening to this can apply (laughs) this one, right? Proverbs 18.1, to answer before listening, this is folly and shame. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, we can all do better yeah, exactly. in that area, right? Uh, a lot of listening needs to be applied before speaking, uh, even though here we are speaking an awful lot. But uh, we don't get the privilege here of listening right. to our right. listeners speak to us. But, uh, you know, which, by the way, as you're listening to this broadcast, maybe you're just now tuning in. This is a program of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. You're listening to Engage in Truth with Pastor John Bornchain and Dr. Steve Ford. And what we're going through here is just talking about how to improve communication, especially in the subject matter of conflict resolution, which we may have to actually address even next week. So we're going through some of these scriptures and trying to figure out, okay, we we can do better in all of these areas as we assess how are we doing. Maybe there's some measurement in our own lives where we can say, like like a scorecard, uh, a report card, if you will, how are we doing in all of these? We've just covered a handful and we're already falling short, right? We can do better in this. How about James 1.26? Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, burn. these sting. These yeah, all sting. Uh, really you do. know, keeping a, a tight rein on our tongues. And we talked about that, of what James has already spoken to us about, of, you know, the damage the tongue can do. It's untamed, unbridled. It, it is, you know, something that is probably one of the sharpest weapons in our arsenal. Uh, for, you know, doing the work of the enemy, quite frankly. Right. Yeah, I was listening to a a marriage and family pastor one time, and I think especially when things are starting to get heated and just be able to ask yourself, you know, a few simple questions. Does this thing that I'm thinking about need to be said? Right. And if so, is this the right time? And if so, you know, is is this the right way? Uh You know, just kind of running those three through your head before you actually... You know, let loose. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing. a little bit of a check. Yeah, you know? think about something before we speak it. Right. <laughs> what a novel what a idea. concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as we look at all of this, I mean, there, uh, Dr. Ford, I, I know we probably can't cover them all, but what we can do is maybe summarize some of these here. You've probably heard about the one another commands in Scripture. There are many of them, and these one another commands really 
are this code of conduct for Christian relationships. They seem easy to read, very difficult to apply, and that we really experience quite frequently, I think, throughout Scripture. But just covering some of these, Dr. Ford, maybe you can pick up a few that maybe jump out to you. But as I'm looking at this list of the one another's, let me just give our listener a sampler here. Love one another, okay, John 13, 34, and John 15, 12, and 17. Forgive one another, Ephesians 4, 32, Colossians 3, 13. Be servants to one another, seeing Galatians 5 showing hospitality to one another, 1 Peter 4. One that really comes to, is deep in my heart, because having served at the National Day of Prayer for so many years, this one, I don't think we understand the magnitude of it, but it says pray for one another, according to James 5.16, and I find that it's very hard to be mad at someone you're legitimately praying for. right? If you are seeking their best interest, if you're desiring God to move in their lives, to, to solve a dilemma, a division, a hardship they're going through, or maybe there's a, a bit of friction in the communication you're having with this person. If you are truly seeking God on their behalf and the behalf of the relationship at large, it may be experiencing this difficulty. It's amazing how that will soften the heart of the prayer. Uh, I actually worked with the University of Georgia and University of Florida on when I was doing my dissertation on the psycho, um, you know, there was a, well, the psychosocial uh, aspects of prayer and meditation, really. It, was there a real impact of prayer that could be measurable within relationships? Because we've often used that statement of a couple that prays together stays together. Right, right. Could we actually measure that and see that there was something that, that truly brought this relationship into a a deeper harmony, a a closeness, a unity, and improved communication overall. And indeed, what we found was very eye-opening that of the 100-plus couples that we studied in this, it was truth that if they prayed for one another, statistically, measurably, there was a noticeable improvement in their relationship, that they, they learned to communicate better, they, uh, their hearts were a little more open to hearing and, and receiving and, and yes, even being willing to change that, that somehow I may be a cause in, in this friction that we're experiencing. They were willing to look within first before, you know, trying to remove the speck in somebody else's eye. Maybe there was a plank in their own eye. And, and so it's amazing when we apply the basics of scripture, how this will fundamentally transform our relationships at large. I mean, even the one right that could be the closest to you, maybe it's with a child or a spouse and beyond, is that that sphere cascades to other relationships. Praying for one another makes a huge difference. I know, Dr. Ford, if there's anyone here that uh, that just resonates with your heart, please feel free to jump in. But uh, some of the others that are listed here, build up or edify one another. Okay, that's selfless service. In Romans chapter 14, 1 Thessalonians 5, we're to greet one another. We're to forbear one another, not to judge one another. That's a big one in Romans chapter 14. Not to speak evil of one another. Well, we just talked about that, of the danger of gossip, right? In James chapter 4, verse 11, not to murmur against one another, not to bite or devour one another. That's a big one. Uh, Galatians 5, 15, how about do not provoke and envy one another? Uh, these, I mean, these seem so basic, but yet fundamentally they will transform everything 
We're to have the same care for one another, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to receive one another, to teach, to admonish, to submit even to one another. Is it really about you winning an argument or is it really about representing Christ well and making sure that even in their situation that they will receive the love of the Lord, but also the truth of God's holy word? It may not be about just winning the argument, right? Because you can win an argument and yet totally uh, hurt their heart, leave battle wounds and scars that last a lifetime. There's a gentleness that's missing in that. We're not to lie. We're to confess our sins to one another, according to James 5, 16. Being kind to one another, it seems simple enough. We're supposed to be doing that since kindergarten, right? (laughs) How about comforting one another, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, And all of this is really wrapped up in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. We talked about that already. And I think the love that we're often just not really aspiring to is that agape love that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this this kind of love that is totally selfless, that really looks for the well-being of the other more than themselves, over themselves entirely. It's all about building and edifying, growing them and their walk with the Lord Uh, because it's not about you. It's all about modeling Christ who's in you. And and so, Dr. Ford, I know even before the program, I I was really deeply moved to even just go a little bit deeper into 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. I know we only have a few more minutes together, uh, but I don't know. Do you have that one where you could uh, read that to our listener, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7? If not, I've got it here. I've got it right here. Let me pull that up. It says here, this is a powerful text for wives and for husbands, and those who are listening right now, listen to these powerful words from Scripture. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some, some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. And Dr. Ford, as we read those powerful words, I I think that uh, what we find in our culture today is resistance. When if we understood how powerful this is, we really would embrace it fully. Because when you hear words like being submissive to your husband and husband's being understanding to their wives as the weaker vessel, these things seem derogatory when they're not at all. No, not at all. Uh, Especially with wives, when they understand this power and the submissive role, that here with this gentleness, this respect that's given to their husbands, they become almost like the neck, right? Right? To move the head, (laughs) right? They they have such an influence in their husband's lives that the husband will eagerly listen to the wife, eagerly ready to hear her heart because they're receiving respect that they receive not in this world. They're they're being spoken to with such gentleness and love that this this woman that God has put into his life, 
uh, he will heed her words more than any other person on the face of the earth. And likewise, as a husband then learns to love her above all other people groups or individuals or anything else that he may aspire to or want to possess, when he learns to treat her in this way as Christ is over his church, willing to give his own life for his church, this type of love is cultivated where he learns to be so selfless that he is transformed into the image of Christ himself over his home. It's a powerful work when we get this. This is not some archaic, ancient text that we're trying to fit into a modern culture, but rather when we find that this truth applies in our, that we're applying in our lives today, it'll fundamentally transform everything. Oh, definitely. Totally change our relationships to be able to, you know, function within the parameters that God established for us in marriage. That's right. And see, here's what happens. We're just now scratching the surface on yeah. all of this, on this this art of communication. Right. We haven't even touched on conflict resolution yet. It may be expanding on the horizons of our discussion on communication. And you can see that this is why it's so important that we shore this area up of our lives. Because if this is one of the areas where we're the weakest, perhaps, as Christians, where we see that 80% of these particular areas that we're addressing right now are exploited by the devil where he gets in and he creates division in homes and tries to break up marriages. We have got to do better in this and apply the basics of God's holy word. So next week, we'll dive into it a little bit deeper, get a little closer to to bringing it all home in the subject matter of communication, especially in conflict resolution. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. Dr. Ford, thank you as always for your insights and wisdom. And so if you missed any portion of this broadcast, go back to calvaryfountain.com. There you can listen to it again and again, share with your friends and family alike. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.